Welcome on in to the Tuesday edition of your Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard, the only place for your daily Orange podcast. Check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Tim, we've got some hoops today. We got some football news that was kind of surprising to both yeah. you and I. Shocking. And also some ancillary stuff to get to as well on the show. But first, let's start with the world of basketball because Elijah Hughes, he has his draft combine invite, something that I don't think was a given for him, but I think it was uh, you leaned on the side that he was probably going to get this draft combine invite, and it finally comes up for him. Yeah, well, I actually, I don't know if you saw this. I went and looked, and 105 players were invited. So I think maybe this is because of covid I initially saw this and I was like, oh, that's good. Like, you know, Tyus Battle didn't get that last year. So sometimes it doesn't happen. And O'Shea Brissett had to work for his, too. Remember, they had the G League Combine and then that turned into, and then I think it was 10 guys got the NBA Combine invite out of that. So that probably means there's no G League Combine if you are seeing that 105 number being tossed around. And honestly, there could not be a Combine. I mean, this is all right. That's still up in the air as well. Right. There's no date set for this combine. There's been reports of the draft lottery coming out around August 20th. So the original set date for the combine and the traditional date for the combine is shortly thereafter the lottery. Well, obviously, there's a lot more to go into the combine this year. So who really knows when the date is? But yeah, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is good news. Then when I saw 105 players, it was like, well, of course, he he got the invite if he's 105. Yeah, no doubt. It does look like there's potential, and I couldn't find a clear-cut answer on this, but there's potential that they will cut the list to the more traditional 60 to 70 players. And Mm -hmm. I still think once he, if if that list is cut down more, he should get invited to a regular-sized combine as well. Yeah, I would agree. Again, this is how exec. These are the guys executives want to see. That's based on voting done by these NBA front offices that determine who is and isn't going. And in in this case, it was the guys who received the 105th most votes of of all those guys who have entered into the NBA draft combine list. So there's that. I think when you look at Elijah Hughes and you take a look at what's going on with this draft and everything, he's one of those guys who I really thought he would need the workouts to really prove who he was. But if you get into the bargaining room and he can, you get Elijah Hughes one on one and ask him to sell his game to you. Like, I'm thinking Wolf of Wall Street here when they say, <laughs> sell this pen to me. I think Elijah Hughes could sell the pen because there's a number of reasons why. First of all, the one knock on him right now is the fact that his three point shooting dipped going from year to year. And. I will say this, I think the 37% that he shot as a redshirt sophomore is much more indicative of what he can do from deep than the 34% he shot as a redshirt junior. And here's why. Because when you look at the Syracuse offense, and this is a common theme with a lot of their offensive guys, it's predicated on one guy is getting the majority of the offensive load. And in that case, last year, it was Elijah Hughes. Now, when he was the secondary or tertiary option, like he was two years ago, that's when you saw his numbers go up a little bit. His percentages yeah. tick up a little bit. And I think that's what he's going to be in the NBA. He's not going to be a number one option. I don't th- like If he was being talked about as a number one option, he would be 
in the first round, no doubt. But we're talking about him as it maybe a fringe first round pick, more likely a an early to mid second round guy. And for that reason, I think that you're going to see a guy who is probably brought in to provide some depth to a team, and he's not going to be guarded as, or at least the defensive focus won't all be on Elijah Hughes in that regard. Yeah, there are a lot of narratives around him right now and around every draft prospect, a lot of nitpicks, however you want to word it. The one thing that I disagree with is something you touched on there is I seen a couple times, I saw Bleacher Report had him fittingly as the number 44 on their big board currently, which go Cuse, mm-hmm. but also that's kind of where he is in, in most of these NBA draft big boards is right in the middle of the second round. And his stock has gone up. But the one thing that, and I can't remember the guy who was ranking this on Bleacher Report, but I remember the little blurb said something like, the question mark with Hughes is, can he prove that he's capable of being a role player in the NBA? Because so much of his production at Syracuse was isolation-based and being the go-to guy. Well, the thing I'll say to that is, did you watch Syracuse two years ago? Or are you just basing right. this off yeah, of last he year? was that kind of spot-up guy for that. Right. Because for me, he was just as impressive two years ago in the role while Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett, and Frank Howard were also on the team with him, and he wasn't asked to do as much isolation. And then we did see, sure, his numbers dipped a little bit three-point-wise, but on the free-throw shooting, it's actually progressively gone up, and that's something that NBA scouts love to look at as an indicator of how much can you develop their three-point shot down the road. If they're a good free-throw shooter, that shows good mechanics. Hughes has gone from a middle-60s free-throw shooter at ECU to right around 80% consistently at Syracuse. So I think that's a good indicator as well for his shooting. But I I completely disagree with the narrative that he can't be a role player. Yeah, I think back to some of his best games. I mean, when you look through his game log, the most three-pointers he'd made in a game, I'm looking through it right now, of his top six performances in terms of total three-pointers made, so you look at the top half dozen here, five of them came in that season two years ago. So when he was not the focal point of the offense, and they were, this is, he's getting five to six three-pointers made on very, very efficient shooting, at least 50% in all but one of those performances. And I think the one game that really sticks out to me the most is that Notre Dame game that he played right after New Year's, his redshirt sophomore season, and he just exploded. And then also, how about the tournament game that he played in as well, the lone tournament output that he had and he was great as the the clear-cut second option in that game as well yeah that was his career high at the time I think what was it 25 points against Baylor something like and, that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it was his career high and then obviously he shattered that all right Tim I do have some more Elijah Hughes thoughts for you but first we got to take a quick break when we do come back we're going to get into where he lines up in big boards mock drafts all that good stuff and more on the other side So the shooting numbers, and shooting in general, I think, is going to be the thing for Elijah Hughes that gets his foot in the door to the league. And I think he's a much better shooter than some of his numbers that you saw from his redshirt junior season. Again, we, we mentioned the, the numbers dip a little bit, about 3% from 3 But I really think that once he gets to the NBA, you're going to see those shooting numbers spike up a little bit. An interesting note that I picked up on on his three-point shooting, this kind of surprised me. 
he's actually a better spot-up three-point shooter statistically than he is off the dribble. And some people are questioning, and by that I mean some scouts and some of these execs and NBA guys are questioning whether he can improve his off-the-dribble three-point numbers. He was 29% off-the-dribble, and I think 36% in spot-up variety last season for Syracuse. To that, I guess I would say that off-the-dribble, you're just more likely to be less open, and that could be late-in-the-shot-clock type of situations with Syracuse. But I don't know about you. I I feel like he was very commonly would come down the court and kind of pull into a couple threes. And... That's the only thing I disagree with, with people questioning the role player aspect and saying, I can he prove that he has good shot selection? I never was yelling at my TV like, oh, Elijah, that's a terrible shot. Maybe never is too harsh, but I feel like comparatively to some of these other recent Syracuse guys, I was never like, God, that guy just chucks up bad shots. I mean, that was more Frank Howard to me. I think and, and part I- of that too is that he almost had that knack of the impossibility to him as well. I mean, you think about that crazy shot that he hit at Duke. He he could make plays like that. I mean, wasn't there one play, too, where he was behind the basket and he hit a shot yeah. while he was fading out of bounds? And he's just got that knack to hit that tough shot. I don't think any of Syracuse's recent draft prospects that I can think of really have that. Maybe Tyler Ennis is the last guy who's had that sort of gene in him. But Elijah Hughes kind of has that that street ball knack to him where he can make these crazy shots that you've never seen made in your life. I mean, even that Duke shot, he warps it around the the scoreboard in the middle. I mean, it's a curveball. It's not a, yeah. a straight shot, and I don't know if it's intentional or not, but just to have that sort of IQ and that wherewithal, I think, is, is something that certainly helps him in that regard and I don't know I think that it's going to be a certainly interesting process for him in that regard because that knack of the impossible and the ability to achieve the impossible is something you just cannot coach yeah and obviously the other question mark is defense with him and can he be a man-to-man defender which is what we see every year with Syracuse I'm more confident in him than other prospects I've seen recently from Syracuse about his defense and he did show some signs of it at ECU and also some people will go back and look at his ECU tape and be like ah his defense wasn't that great I it's just a completely different player than what he was at ECU exactly. which which makes you feel good about the likes of an Alan Griffin or someone taking some strides when they do get to Syracuse I will Uh, say this about his defense, and this was noted in Sam Vecini's analysis on The Athletic, is that a lot of ACC coaches did prefer to attack his side of the zone as opposed to Marek's side of the zone. Now, I also think Marek is just a better defender, too. He's obviously a lot bigger and can... He's got better range, especially for his... I, I won't say he's got better range, but... If you have the choice to attack a guy who's six foot seven or six ten, who are you going to attack if their range is about equal? Yeah, you're probably going to attack the six seven guy because you can do a lot more with some of your wings and maybe some of your fours that can stretch the floor as well. So I think that's also worth noting with the defense. Yeah, well, the ringer has him at forty three on their big board, and I bring it up because sometimes I think it's cool to see what the NBA comparisons are, and they say. Shades of DeAndre Bembry, Marcus Thornton, and Iman Shumpert, which is kind of a weird one. The hmm. 
Because Iman Shumpert was known as a defensive stalwart in the NBA. Like, yeah. That was his calling card, which so, I find a little a little interesting. I, right. I don't really know about... I mean, to me, he's got bad shot selection. Now, maybe that's just me with a limited sample size of really watching him. But to I don't know. Hughes, I can't think of who is a great comp, but it's someone who's a very gifted scorer and is like a capable defender, but more than anything, just like has great athleticism. Just the way that he has you know those chase think down. He kind of reminds me of a little bit. Who? Not as good of a shooter and definitely more athletic, but I kind of see a little JJ Redick. Really? Yeah. I mean, just like in the nature of in the nature of how screens. he how he operates with the ball how he can make some plays happen for for himself and his team. Obviously, J.J. Reddick's the the better shooter and has always been pegged as the better shooter, whether it was at Duke or then obviously into the NBA. But you're going to see a lot more, I think, playmaking out of a guy like Elijah Hughes. But I do see a little bit of J.J. Reddick in him as well. I think one thing, I don't know why, but he just strikes me as a Pelicans player. And, of course, J.J. is playing for New Orleans right yeah. now. And a lot of these mocks actually have Elijah going to the Pelicans. Yeah, I've seen but that. But I just, he kind of strikes me as, like, that, that Pelicans player. I'm trying to think of another example of a guy from over the years. But, like, I'm trying to think... Mo Peterson, I feel like he's got maybe he's got like major yeah, Mo maybe. Peterson vibes to him, but just I, I see a little bit of, of Reddick in Elijah Hughes, which is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, definitely a smart player too. JJ Reddick has made the the playoffs every single year of his career. So really, I didn't know that yeah. stat. That's and, and now that that's on the the line right now, I think. But True. Yeah, we'll see how the the Pelicans perform in the bubble this week. Well, the NBA obviously, it seems like they were really trying to get Zion and the Pelicans into the playoffs with the way that they organized this right. new bubble system and everything. But yeah, yeah I right. think, you know, I saw the news that came out yesterday about Tyus Battle signing in Russia, which props to him. And I don't mean this as a slight to Tyus Battle at all, but I feel like Elijah Hughes is just a better NBA prospect than Tyus Battle. And, mm -hmm. you know, last year we would have had similar discussions about Tyus Battle but there's more question marks, and a lot of those question marks are around his shot. Like, it just mechanically wasn't as pure as Elijah Hughes' shot, and he's a little bit smaller, and to me just doesn't have as much defensive versatility as Elijah Hughes does. And honestly, defensive versatility and shooting is all that the NBA is looking for, it seems like now. That's, that's all the craze, so... For Hughes to be better in those two areas really makes him stand out. I, I really, the more I look into Hughes, he's popping up a lot as a quote-unquote sleeper in this draft. Yeah, so and before I get into where he kind of runs down in terms of his, where the mock drafts are putting, I think that was the common theme when you read the analysis is his stock is up, which is yeah. kind of crazy to think without individual right. workouts or a combine how i mean we talk about this with the football recruiting side of things how it's always interesting to see the rankings shuffle despite the fact that no one's played or gone to a camp or anything like that recently but i can see why prosper or these uh front offices think that a guy like elijah hughes his stock might be on the rise a little bit yeah and you know i will say when i go through there should just be a website, and maybe there is, but you know how 24-7 Sports has the composite rankings? 
Yeah, why or like hasn't... bracket matrix too. Right. Like that, why... that's for the NCAA seeding for the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Why haven't they just come up with like a master list where I can just hmm. see where he is on all these drafts? Because Do we, did it, we just come up with a business venture here? I think we should because I it cost me I mean ten minutes of my Monday afternoon here in quarantine to have to go through everyone individually. It's it's really was troublesome. I'm obviously kidding, but that's literally how some of these businesses are created, and we just gave out our idea to our audience. So if someone runs, I think we got to hop on that ASAP. Cut. Yeah, because that could be something that would actually Maybe be kind it's of out fun there. too. I don't know. It's a lot of tracking, but yeah, no. I mean, you get a, you get a nice little staff together. I think you you could pull something off there, right? Get Can't a little extra little extra cash. Anyway, so let's take a dive into where he is slotted in a lot of these mock drafts. Now, again, some of these mock drafts aren't full, so I'm just going to kind of go in order of when I put in. NBA mock draft. These are the order of things that came up for us. Okay. So you mentioned Bleacher Report. They've got him at 44th. NBC Sports, they didn't do a two round mock draft, but they it is worth noting he is out of the first round according to NBC Sports. CBS Sports was actually very interesting to me because he was the 22nd ranked prospect on their big board, huh. but neither analyst had him as a first-round pick. There's two draft guys, Gary Parrish, and I can't remember who the other one is okay. for CBS Sports, but he was the 22nd-ranked prospect. He's ahead of guys like R.J. Hampton, Isaiah Stewart, Nico Mannion, Precious Achua, but neither of the analysts had him first overall. So found that a little bit intriguing there because they only did one-round mock drafts. NBADraft.net at 29th, so that's the only place that I found him as a first-round pick, and that would have him going to the Lakers under NBADraft.net's format. I will say this, NBADraft.net used to look like it was run by a third grader. They've kind of upped their game a little bit. It looks a little (laughs) more modern, a little more sleek, a little more user-friendly, so shout-out to the people at NBADraft.net. NBA Draft Rooms got him 39th. Sam Vecini at The Athletic, I think I mentioned this, 42nd. And then Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, he only did a mock draft of the lottery, so I'm assuming he's going to get into it a lot more once the NBA bubble's over. But on his big board, he's got him at 43rd. So pretty much around the 40s is the consensus spot for a guy like Hughes. But no one in the 50s. I have not seen that. Right, yep. Mm -hmm. You know, the conversation around Tyus Battle at this time last year was more, will he get drafted? And again, he did not get a combine invite once it was down to 60 players, I believe, which he did get a combine invite the year before that when he elected not to stay in the NBA draft, which I guess that kind of makes sense maybe because they had already seen his game partially. And I think by all accounts didn't do great in that combine. Um, But anyway, I... I think the conversation around Hughes is, can he creep up into the first round? And if not, like, is this a steal for a team in the early second round? And all these pundits seem to be pretty high on him. Like you said, it kind of makes no sense. Why wasn't he this high all year long? Well, maybe they just had more time to evaluate a player that should have been getting more national attention as the year was going on. But good to see that he's getting some deserved attention from some of these NBA guys and continues to rise. I I think now it becomes more clear cut. This was absolutely a no brainer for him to go to the draft. And as much as that stings from our perspective as Syracuse fans and people that want Syracuse to be good, I think we're all excited for him. Yeah. So all indications are saying he will be drafted. It's just now a matter of, of where one more basketball thing I want to I want to get out there before we move on you mentioned the Tyus battle news 
So Dior Johnson, we're putting on our, our social Sherlock hats here. Dior Johnson, his Twitter account was hacked. So that yes, is why he went radio <laughs> silent on the bird for a little bit. So right. good to have him back. And he's already tweeting out some some cool highlights, too. You can check that yeah, out on Twitter feed as well. Yeah, he went nuts this week. You see that? He had yeah, I saw he, I didn't even realize there were there were AAU tournaments going on right now. But he's playing for yeah. what, like Las Vegas Elite? I saw he had one game where he had 29 points. So yeah, things that could be coming right. to Syracuse, hopefully in the near future. All right, coming up next. We've got some big news out of the football world for Syracuse. A guy who was slated to start for the Orange at wide receiver has left the program. We'll tell you about that next. Tim, before we get into the Cam Jordan news, just want to pass this along. I saw yesterday Sean Riley, the former Syracuse receiver, cut by the Patriots. And I was actually kind of surprised by that. I thought he was a guy that could yeah. maybe latch on in the special teams. I didn't think he'd be a receiver for the now Cam Newton-led New England Patriots. Exactly. I know that makes you happy. But yeah. I I was a little surprised he's not being given more of a chance at punt return or kick return for Bill Belichick. Yeah, bummer there. I, I think I did see Evan Adams was also cut too. And mm-hmm. yep. it's a cruel world out there. It's it's really tough to make the NFL, obviously. So wish those guys all the best. And just because you got cut from one team doesn't mean that they can't sort of make a comeback and get picked up with another team. Because I agree with you. I think Sean Riley has a place as a special teamer. There's some, sure. yeah, someone's going to pick him up in the special team sphere of things. Okay, so Cam Jordan, who's going to be, I believe, a redshirt junior this year for Syracuse at the receiver position, has left the program. Now, this isn't, this doesn't, at least on the surface, appear to be some sort of opt-out. So it doesn't look like he's going to be coming back or this is maybe a COVID-related thing. Again, we don't know the exact things. This is all kind yeah. of speculation right now. But he has now left the program, despite the fact that it looked like he was given the inside track to start at outside receiver for this Syracuse team. So that could open the door a little bit for some of these other guys in the receiving course. Right. It's kind of a weird one because on one hand you say, oh, that's not that big of a loss. He's only had three catches for 20 yards in his entire career. And then on the other hand you say, oh, wait, he was going to start this year. (laughs) Like that's a starter that we just lost. And well, he only has three catches, he has played more than a lot of other guys that are now left on the depth chart. And he's a guy that's played special teams and been a big contributor in that regard, has just a good frame and a lot of potential just in his sort of skill set. So kind of bummed that he never really got to make an imprint at Syracuse. I remember there was one game this past year I was at, actually you were at this game, Ty, the NC, the State, NC State game. game yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think where, the, the Syracuse.com article, that's the picture they use. It's him running up the sidelines yeah. in that game. I remember he caught a couple passes. It was like the same play, a little quick, that quick out route pass or mm-hmm. not even, you know what I'm saying? That yeah, quick yeah, pass yeah. that mm-hmm. they always do. And right the flat area. Right. And then he did drop not a straight up drop, but a kind of a diving effort in the end zone. He dropped a pass, but that was like all we heard from him kind of in his Syracuse career was that little stint there. And that was when Dino was sort of just throwing different bodies in there because he was kind of sending a message to an extent, I think. And I think he spoke about that after the game, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about the wide receivers. I know this is a starter and you lose him and it's not good, 
I think I've talked about this a little bit. I just have faith in what they built in terms of the infrastructure there at wide receiver that they can get some of these question mark guys to perform a little bit better than people might expect. So let me ask you this question because, and I think you, you kind of answered it a little bit, but I want a more clear cut answer from you Mm -hmm. for this. When you saw this news, what was more concerning to you? The fact that Syracuse lost a starting receiver or the fact that Cam Jordan was supposed to be a starting receiver for this 2020 season? <laughs> and that may sound cruel-ish, but yeah. I mean, to me, I was kind of taken aback that Cam Jordan was supposed to be a starter on this team. Well, it's weird because I felt going into last year that Cam Jordan could be definitely a starter by this year and someone that I had high hopes for. Now, we kind of always are inclined to have high hopes for all these guys because we watch their tape and we talk to some of them and we believe in them, and that's just what a fan base does to an extent. But, yeah, I mean, he's he hasn't really panned out. I, I would say I'm a little more concerned that he was in the starting lineup to begin with. I think there was a world that, you know, the big question mark around wide receiver now is, is Ed Hendricks and his health, more mm-hmm. importantly. Right. Because to me, it's kind of got that Kadir White vibe to it with end to head where why haven't we seen a little more of him? And I know right. he's battled some injuries and stuff like that trying to get on the field. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's I would have thought that he's probably. Answer. Yeah, I would have thought, though, that he's probably in line for a starting spot. Now, it seems like that's going to happen because he was next on the depth chart behind Ed. But yeah, or behind it, Cam Jordan, rather. But right. I don't Keep know. I, mind, I found that a little interesting. Yeah, that depth chart was a pretty long time ago and in all honesty it's hard to put someone who hasn't played above a guy that has played so I think there was still maybe some whispers or some potential that Ed Hendricks was the starter quote-unquote or like the guy that they really wanted to be the starter anyway now you just really hope he stays healthy because after that you get into some of these freshmen who again I have high hopes for but they're freshmen and And as we've talked about, it's not a deep receiving crop. Right, exactly. All right. Anything else football-wise you want to get to today? I think we're going to address the receiver position a lot more on Thursday when we do our training camp Thursday. I think receiver is now one of the big burning questions heading into 2020. I did want to say... We'll get that. Yeah, real quick, I saw the numbers came out, and that's kind of what hinted at Cam Jordan being not on the list because Justin Barron is taking his number 81. And a couple notes on that and the freshman being listed. Justin Barron listed as a wide receiver, which maybe because Cam Jordan's gone now, they need some help there. Could be an outside guy. Yeah, I've got Justin Barron as one of those guys who could maybe fill in. We have seen freshman receivers have some sort of success through Dino, or at least first-year receivers have success with Dino, and maybe Justin Barron could be one of those guys. Yeah, and then the other thing is uh, Marlo Wax was listed as a linebacker. So there was some talk out of Maryland that he'd be a running back. Also some talk of linebacker. We see him at linebacker, which I thought was noteworthy. All right. So we'll address more of the football questions on this Thursday when we do our training camp Thursday and tackle one big question surrounding the football program each week as we inch closer and closer to hopefully what is going to be a season again. Both you and I a little pessimistic in that regard, but... We will get to all of that on Thursday. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, download wherever you get your podcasts. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.